I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hi, everybody, and welcome into the inaugural episode of a brand new podcast for Buffalo Bills fans everywhere, and that is, it's always game day in Buffalo. I feel like it's always game day. Sal Capaccio here with my co-host, Matt Bove, Sports Director, Channel 7, WKBW in Buffalo. Super excited, Matt. Great to be with you. We've known each other for a long time. This is going to be a pretty cool adventure we're going to be on. A couple Italian guys talking about the Bills. It doesn't get much better than this. <laughs> I love it. I love the, it, You know, man. the wheels have been going for this for a little while. We've yep. been talking about getting started. So it's nice to finally, you know, begin because we are getting closer to football, and that's exciting. You know, the NFL has, has it figured out, right? They get us talking about everything at all times. And it was obviously the playoffs and Super Bowl, and as soon as that – we're going to combine and pro days and things like that. And as soon as that happens, it's free agency. And then when that it's over, it's the draft. And then, of course, it's the schedule release. It is amazing, Matt, <laughs> how they have made the schedule release into a week-long, if not more, must-see TV, the clues. It's, it's like playing a game and putting the puzzle together. It is embarrassing how excited <laughs> I get for just the schedule. I think I'm more excited about the schedule than I am about the draft, than I am about uh, free agency. Right. Like I listened to your Mike North podcast like twice through. I was just like, I want to get all of this. I want to know what's going to happen with this schedule because it has such a direct impact on not only fans' lives, but also on our lives. Professionally we're going to these games. and yeah, personally, absolutely. right? 100%. So, I mean, you travel with the team, the, the games, I should say. You travel you cover the games I travel and cover the games we want to know where we're going and what cities we're going to be there who we can meet up with what we're going to do yeah I have a sneaky feeling you're going to be getting in some golf to the, uh, this year too, Matt. My hope, so we <laughs> talked a lot about the Los Angeles Rams game, and yes. I think for a while we've known that it was probably going to be the season opener, and as that started to become more and more apparent, I started to figure out, okay, how do I get to Los Angeles but give myself time to at least get two rounds of golf in? Yes. So I think what I'm going to do is I think after the game on fr- on Thursday night, on Friday, I'm going to drive to San Diego, oh, and I'm going to try and do Torrey Pines. Wow. Because I'm already down there. So it's just a two-hour drive. That's Phil's, Phil's course, right? That's his home course, yeah, that's right? right? That's his exactly. home course. Exactly. Yeah. So there's the south and there's the north. Yeah. The south course is the famous one. The north course is obviously beautiful as well. So, I mean, if I'm already there, like that's what I feel like the play is. So here's our dilemma. My son Max, who's eight years old, really, really, really wants to go to SoFi Stadium. Yeah. It's in his second week of fourth grade, basically. That's tough, I know. But we might bite the bullet and say, when are we going to be go to the Dodgers game the day before that? Exactly. You know, hang out for a few days, and, Disneyland, and Anaheim. And by the way, the Padres play Friday night. 
So if you drive oh, down man. to San Diego to play Tory Pines on Friday, <laughs> this is not just what I'm – like, hey, Bills fans, if you want to make yes. this trip, do yes. it. I'll be hitting balls into you all day at the golf course. And then that night, go see the Padres play. The Padres play the Dodgers on Friday night. That's amazing. And the day before that, if people are going to go out to L.A., the Dodgers played home in the afternoon and the Angels played home in the afternoon. Both of them. You have a, a lot of choices to do it. And, of course, we are talking about – the, first, the Los Angeles Rams, the Buffalo Bills, when the schedule came out, when it was released, a little bit before that, as you alluded to, we kind of knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the meat of the entire schedule, but what does it say to you about this football team being selected in this spot? That the Buffalo Bills are must-see TV, yeah. and everybody wants a piece of Josh Allen. In every way the NFL could put this guy on the big stage, they did it. With the opener, with all the primetime games they're getting, with Thanksgiving, obviously this year with games falling on Christmas Eve, Josh Allen has become the guy to watch, and why not put him on the biggest stage? I mean, the season opener and the Thanksgiving games are the games that, you know, get the biggest ratings that everybody's watching. So that's what it tells me. It tells me that the Buffalo Bills are the team that every network wants a piece of and that fans want a piece of. Yeah, they're going to be on all of them, right? NBC, Mm -hmm. uh, CBS, obviously, ESPN, Monday Night Football. Sunday Night Football, not only the opener, it's a Thursday game, but it's counted like a Sunday game, basically, for network purposes. And then, of course, Green Bay coming to town for another Sunday night game. You're right about that. Josh Allen is hot. I remember the Super Bowl week, Matt, thinking about, and I talked about it on the radio, which is everywhere you looked, he was on a podcast, he was on a video cast, he was at awards ceremonies. I mean, come on, the whole thing about when he was at the the ESPYs, was it? And they were, um, or the the awards, awards, NFL awards, honors. And uh, the whole coin toss thing, like, it's not just that everybody wants a piece of him, which is right. He also is great at it. Oh, oh, he's so good at it. And this is a crazy argument to make, but I'm willing to go there. This might have been better for Josh Allen, the star, the way last season ended right. in that heartbreaking fashion, that if they won like a ho-hum 21-14 to 14 defensive battle and then went on to lose the next week. Like the way that his season ended and basically everybody on the planet who watches football thinking to themselves – they would have won if he got the ball back. And because he didn't, I feel like there's even that extra intrigue to it. Everybody wants Josh Allen and the fantasy football aspect of it, too. Josh Allen has become the biggest name for a quarterback in fantasy football. So you're going to have owners from all around the country who play fantasy football. And now that legalized sports betting is a thing right. here all over the place, too. Like, he's just, he's reached that status. There are a few stars brighter than Josh Allen. He wasn't able to be Hollywood for Super Bowl week because of not being in the game, but he certainly still was. Yeah. And now they get to bring him back to Hollywood for the opener. I'm interested in what the concerts are going to be like that leading mm-hmm. up. They're going to have these kickoff specials, the halftime shows. They're going to make this a production. It's going to be a lot about Josh Allen. A return of Von Miller yeah. to L.A. is a big deal in this spot here. Aaron Donald on the other side. Matthew Stafford, that's going to be big. And then right after that, the Bills come back home on another night game against the Tennessee Titans. The place is going to be rocking. And by the way, 7.15 p.m. start. I love this, Matt. I love the fact that it's 7.15 p.m. We can get home by midnight, maybe. (laughs) I mean, maybe not you and I because of our jobs. But fans can. People can. I'm even thinking about Max going to the game at 7.15 p.m. Mm -hmm. on a a night, even though it's a school night. Hey, that's a great experience. So, yes, you're right about that. But here's the only issue I have. And if you're talking about competitive standpoint, boy, those first seven games, we're talking about six, a bye week in Green Bay. The Bills are running the gauntlet, Matt, and they're going to be tested early. So we look at the seven games, and I very much agree with you because that's the part in the schedule that is really, really daunting. This team is good enough to be able to get through it, and they're probably going to get through it. What's the number of wins you would say right now they would be happy with? 
is like five and two. I feel five like and two is, is probably I the think, best case scenario. I, I think five and two is okay. We're good. One hundred percent. I think if you go to four and three, I'd be disappointed. I think a lot of fans would, mm-hmm. but you'd have to keep the big picture in mind. But I think if they go four and three, we're all going. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. where are we right if here? If they go four and three out of the gate, and once again, we got a long way to go till we get this this point to that point. If they go four and three out of the gate. They're still one of the best teams in the AFC. They just right. might not be the top seed in the AFC, and I feel like that's probably the bar this year. It was the bar last year, too, and then you know they had their lull in the middle of the season. I feel like 4-3 and three is the baseline. I think 5-2 and two fans would be happy with. The team would probably be happy with it, but the funny thing is they're capable of going 7-0. and oh. They're not going to. They're going to lose games here and there. We saw it happen last year with Jacksonville and all the weird stuff that happened, but... I mean, they're favored in every single one of those games except the Rams game, and I think that line has even moved. I think it's like maybe one, one and a half, That's and it could I mean. be even. It could even be a pick by the time it gets there. Maybe the Bills gets tilted in their favor. We know a lot of money's coming on the Bills. They're the Super Bowl favorite right now. You look at those games. The one thing that stands out about those first six games before the bye, the Rams are the only NFC opponent. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, look, I'll say it from this standpoint. Last year, they lose to the Steelers in the opener, and you're always chasing it. They were mm-hmm. chasing, and it wasn't the Steelers who they were chasing at the end, but they were chasing because of the AFC record. It wasn't that great all year. If you drop one to the Rams, worst-case scenario, it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not fatal. You have five more AFC games coming up before the Packers come to town on Sunday night, but you can recover from that. This is this is why I like this game as an opener, too, and you get your longest road trip out of the way early. Mm-hmm. From a standings perspective, it's the least impactful game of the first That's six. That's right. From a national perspective, it's probably the most, most important game because you can really set the tone for your entire season. But I agree with you. You get that Los Angeles road trip out of the way, and because it's a Thursday game, you have a really big window before your home opener. Like You have four extra days of rest on the Titans than they have because now they also have to fly to Buffalo. So they're going to fly to Buffalo right. on Sunday for the Monday night game. You're going to be back in Buffalo by Friday. You're going to get the rest of that weekend off. We're going to get the rest of that weekend yep. off. And You're going to be playing Tory Pines. Exactly. And then they go back to work, but they're going to have that extra time too. So I think that's an added little bonus there, especially given how the rest of the schedule plays out. So you look at these teams that they're playing early on. Let's just focus on those first six games before mm-hmm. we get to the bye week, which will be the week of October 23rd will be that Sunday that the Bills are not playing. Uh, the first game that was announced of the season was the home game against the Tennessee Titans. Matt, this is a team, a Tennessee team, that has beaten the Bills two times in the last yeah. two years. And let's remember, they did beat the Bills, the Rams, and the Chiefs last year. Mm-hmm. I do not think they were a they were a fluke as a number one seed. They were kind of a paper tiger when it was all said mm-hmm. and done. But this is a team that the Bills need to beat, they want to beat, and at home, Monday night football, as your home opener, how cool is this going to be? I think it's going to be very cool. I think the Bills are a better team than the Titans. I think the Bills are a much better team than the Titans. And I think back to that Monday night game that they lost last year, You know, they made the right call by going for it, whether Josh right. slipped or not, whatever. They don't, they don't get it done. But in the second half of that game, A.J. Brown torched them. They did not have an answer for A.J. Brown. They don't have him anymore. So now, if you put all of your focus in on stopping Derrick Henry, and I know he's healthy, but they put so many resources into the defensive line this year. I think the rush defense is going to be better this year than it was last year. And if you can contain Derrick Henry, not stop him, if you can contain Derrick Henry, Sean McDermott historically has done a pretty good job against Ryan Tannehill, and the Bills have done a great job against Ryan Tannehill in Buffalo. I don't think he's ever won in Buffalo, right? He has never. He's 0-5. So, never played here as a member of the Titans. Only, yes, only, only as a with, Dolphin, mm-hmm. and that matters, but he's still he's 0-5, and, and he has a 
less than 59% completion percentage. He's just, he has not thrown the ball very well. Lots of interceptions compared to touchdowns. I agree with you. I think that's a tough spot for Tennessee to come to Buffalo. The team that people are really picking around the country to maybe rise up a little bit, even challenge for the second spot in the AFC in a playoff spot is the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. The Bills will go down there again in September, Matt. We keep going down to Miami <laughs> when it's 90 degrees down there at Hard Rock Stadium. That kills you. You want oh to be down gosh. there in December or January. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I do for sure. I want to be in L.A. and down there in Miami. But on the field itself, the Bills have taken care of business, though. They've done it. I mean, even last year, they lose the opener to the Steelers. They go down right away, and people are talking about, oh, what if they go in two? wasn't even a threat. They basically just went out there, mm-hmm. and they they hammered Miami. Now, granted, they knocked Tua out of the game early. That's the key for me. I don't think Tua is necessarily the guy that's – he's got to get a lot better than what he's shown, basically, despite the fact that they actually have improved the roster greatly. Yeah, I think Miami's a sneaky team this year. I think they're right on the fringe of being a playoff team, and I think if Tua is average, they probably get there, but I still need Tua to prove to me that he can be an average NFL quarterback. So I think the Dolphins are going to be a bigger threat to the Bills this year than they have the last couple years, but I don't think they're there quite yet. Like, the Bills, I think, should win these games against Miami, but maybe it's not by 35, maybe it's by a touchdown or by 10 points or something like that. We'll get to the uh, Patriots in a moment, but the Ravens are up uh, in early October, and I think they're a very interesting team. All the injuries they get, they're getting guys back. Lamar Jackson, you know, there was a bit of a rumor it was going to be Lamar and Josh on Thanksgiving. We know that's not true, but I think that's also kind of a must-see game, even though it's a Sunday at 1 o'clock game. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, that's a sneaky team in the AFC that you got to take care of business with early. I don't think anybody is talking about the Ravens enough, and I think they might be the biggest question mark in the NFL from the standpoint of if they're healthy and Lamar Jackson does what Lamar Jackson is capable of doing, I think they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender. Now, my one pause is I don't know who he's throwing to out wide. (laughs) He's got Mark Andrews. He'll get Dobbins back this year. They'll have more help. They still don't really have any wide receivers, so i got to figure that out. But that team... Their defenses, we know their defense is going to be good. We know Lamar Jackson is going to be dynamic. And it's in Baltimore. I think you could make the argument that that's the second hardest game out of the first seven that they play. I really They do. traded away, of course, Marquise Brown, who would have been one of those receivers. He gets traded to Arizona on draft day. I, I would make the contention all year last year that if the Bills played the Steelers Basically, any time after week one, they probably would have won the game. Mm-hmm. The Steelers had a great game plan. The Bills had to adjust what they were doing. That's what week one is for, kind of feeling each other out. They do get them in week five this year, and it's all going to be, okay, here's the question I'm putting you on the spot. Yep. Who starts at quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers week five against the Buffalo Bills? Mitch Trubisky starts. I don't, Ooh, yeah, over Kenny Pickett. I think that it's going to be a slow play with Kenny Pickett, right. or at least I think it should be. I understand that where he was drafted, first-round quarterback, you want to get those guys in right away. I think Pittsburgh is still a team that will be in the conversation as the year goes on. I don't think they're going to be a great team, but I think they're going to be around 500, and that's why I think at that point in the season, they're probably still sticking with Mitch to see what exactly they are, and then if it does ever get off the rails, then they'll pull him out and they'll put Pickett in. So I think that'll be a Mitch Trubisky homecoming game. And they have Mike Tomlin as head coach. I mean, you can never count on a team with Mike Tomlin as your head coach. A rematch with Kansas City comes up right before the bye. I think it's a great spot to have right before the bye. The Bills can kind of let it all hang out in Kansas City, as they have, by the way, uh, recently. Remember last year in the regular season, on a Sunday night, they did a great job. And, of course, they were 13 seconds away from beating the Chiefs in the AFC playoffs last year. Were you surprised this was not a primetime game? I mean, obviously CBS protected it Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done, but... 
when you were thinking about the schedule, did you say to yourself, because I did, that th- that's going to be a primetime game somewhere? I did, but I can also very much understand why CBS yes. was like, do not touch this game. This is our game. We've gotten bumped from this game in the past. Like, we want this. So I right. understand. And the 420, I mean, the entire country is going to be, unless your team is playing at 405 or 415 at the exact same time, everybody around the country is going to be watching this game. It's going to have Romo and Nance. It's going to have that big time feel. And it's going to be, obviously, an incredibly tough test for the Bills. I'm interested in Kansas City this year because I know they lose Tyreek Hill, but it looks like they've made some moves on defense. I know Matthew left too, but they've made some moves on defense that are going to make them a little bit more balanced. And I like the additions of Valdez, Scantling, and Juju. I think those are both good players, and I think good players in that offense with Patrick Mahomes could elevate themselves to be great players. So here are the other two games opposite them that week. You ready? Mm-hmm. I got it. I got the schedule for you. When the Bills are playing at 425, you'll have two 405 kickoff games going okay. on. So we know the Bills are on the national stage here. But Cardinals, Seahawks, yeah. Panthers, Rams. No. Yeah. I don't think anybody's tuning into those games no. unless you're a diehard fan favorite of those teams. That's not even a game if you're in a different <laughs> if you're in a different part of the country. You're not even watching red zone at that point in the day. Right. You're just watching the Bills versus the Chiefs. You don't really care about the other ones unless you're specifically a fan of one of those four teams. You're watching Allen against Mahomes. And that takes us up through the first six and the bye week. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, let's talk about what happens next with the Green Bay Packers coming to Buffalo. Matt, this is, I I knew it. I kept saying to myself, this is going to be a prime time. they got to get Rodgers and Allen together. How many times are you going to have those guys? This could be the last time ever even having a chance to have Rodgers taking on Allen in Buffalo after a bye week that the Bills can prepare for. The Green Bay Packers come to town on Sunday night football. I love the fact this is before November. It's cold on October 30th. I understand. Mm -hmm. We're generally... Please knock on wood, Sal. Generally not talking snowstorms and frigid cold October 30th. I think this is the perfect spot for this game. Do you know my Aaron Rodgers story? I don't. I'm oh, ready for it. Oh, this is great. This All is a right. good one. This is, Here we I go. hold this story near and dear to my heart. It's always game day in Buffalo. Matt Bove giving us his Aaron Rodgers story. So, Here yeah, we go. so this audience probably doesn't know the story right. yet. Channel 7 audience might. <laughs> so back in 2014, is that when they were here last? Uh, that would have been, yes. 2014, that the, was Bakari, the Bakari Rambo yes. two-interception game. So at that point, I was not the sports director. I was filming our games for our station. And the then sports director told me to get some shots of James Stark's pregame because of the Niagara Falls connection. So yes. I'm standing there on the sideline. My camera is pointed at James Stark's. And I feel somebody shove me in the chest and say, get the expletive out of the way. I didn't know who it was. I just was like, somebody shoved me. I don't think I was in the way. Well, one of an, another photographer's line ran over to me and was like, hey, I just got video of Aaron Rodgers shoving some guy. Oh, my guy. God. 
I was like, what? So they send me the video, and it's Rogers shoving me in the chest, and then his head turns around, looks at me, and then he walks up the tunnel. So they lost that game because karma's real, and since that day, Aaron Rodgers has been like my bitter enemy. It's a joke, but it's also hilarious. I have the video. I'll show you when we're done. You're going to have to show me that. Um, He was serious, right? Oh yeah. Where, where were oh. you standing? Were you somewhere you so weren't supposed I was, to be? No, I was in the like I was in the tunnel, but I was not in the middle of the tunnel. Right. So for anybody who knows the stadium, you know they've obviously got the one tunnel behind the field goal post. I was probably two or three feet away from the field goal post, so it's not like I was blocking anything. Right. But he finished his warm up. He watched a kick go through the field goal post. Probably Mason Crosby. He turns around. He starts walking, and I'm standing there. I'm paying no attention to him whatsoever. So, yeah, everybody. Aaron Rodgers and I, I always joke, are best friends. But I'm thrilled that this game is in prime time because I get to see my friend again. You were very much hoping it would be you in the match against Aaron Rodgers. You would love to beat his butt on the golf course. Well, that's why a couple years ago when it was the Bills (laughs) and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship, in that first game, we didn't know if it was going to be Brady or if it was going to be Rodgers. I was watching that game. I was like, how poetic would it be? for the Bills to play the Packers in the Super Bowl. I was like, that game for me would have been the biggest thing in the world. Here's what we got to get Matt Bove to do, everybody, all right? We got to get him. That game, Sunday night, October 30th in Buffalo, we just need Matt. Nothing nothing sinister. Just walk up and go, Aaron, you remember me? Just give him a look. Just give him a stare down. That's all you got to do. He would be so unbelievably confused. But it it has become a little bit of an internet meme over the years that only I've used. Literally nobody else cares about it. But even like the neighborhood that I grew up in, everybody knows. They're like, oh, we hate Aaron Rodgers. Here's the biggest question. Did you get your James Starks video? I think I got the James Starks video. Okay. And I also got revenge when I watched him play that day. Yes. stunk. Yes, he they did. Were yes. Bad that, day. that was the Jerry Hughes safety at the end, right? Mm-hmm. The Bills, they sack him. They missed a really wide. Uh, I think oh, Jordy, Jordy Nelson, Nelson dropped, dropped a really it. wide. O- it would have been like an 80 yard touchdown. And then the yeah. Bakari Rambo, yeah, two interceptions. We really veered off of it. But yes, the Packers on Sunday Night Football, yes. the biggest stage, Allen, Rodgers. It's going to be unbelievable. I mean, that game, I know we talked about the Chiefs. That game had to be primetime. It just makes way too much sense. And I know who else is looking forward to that game, even if he doesn't want to admit it. Micah Hyde. A hundred percent. Four years ago in Green Bay, he he talked about how much it meant to him to go back to Green Bay, and unfortunately he actually got injured during the game, mm-hmm. didn't finish it. It was Josh's rookie year. Mm-hmm. The Bills did not play well. Josh didn't play well. The Bills got shut out, actually. Now they're coming back to town. You know Micah Hyde. I know it's been a while since he's been in Buffalo. He's been in Buffalo now five years, so you know he has, still has relationships with some people over there. You know he's going to want to play really well against Green Bay and in front of his if you will, on TV, former Green Bay fans. Maybe we see some Jay Kumaro action in that game, oh, too. A double dose right. of Jay revenge Kumaro. in that game. Jay Kumaro, that's right. So we didn't spend, we, we're going to spend some time on the next several games, but instead of going one by one. Let's just clump them. Yeah, I mean, the, the next eight, really, right? Mm-hmm. Let's count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now, New England's in there, but yeah. let's leave New England alone. Out of the other ones, because I want to touch on them separately. Jets, Vikings, Browns, Jets, Dolphins, Bears. Where could they trip up? Where Where's the likeliest trip up spots? Well, that's a good point. I think Cleveland, depending on who their quarterback is, right? If Deshaun Watson is the quarterback there, I think actually up to this point the betting lines aren't even out on that game. I think no, that's, that's the right. one game the that's only not game up yet, and I understand that they're a much tougher opponent if Deshaun Watson is their quarterback. So I think that could be a potential trip up if he is there. That being said, I mean they should take care of business against. All, I think the Lions are going to be better, but they're going to beat the Lions on I think Thanksgiving. The, it is not. 
it, it weird things can happen in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Weird things can happen in Detroit on Thanksgiving, but also the Bills roll on yeah. Thanksgiving. Okay. So I think that they're going to take care of business there. I know I'm skipping a couple weeks backwards, but Week 10 against the Vikings, that game's at home. Yeah. I don't think that game is going to be an absolute boat race. I think that's going to be you know three quarters of close football. Why aren't the Bills blowing out the Vikings? <laughs> right. And then they sneak out a win and maybe Stephon. Maybe Diggs. in Sammy Watkins fashion last time they were here. Yeah, exactly. You were in the picture right <laughs> yes, off the yes, back of the end zone. I remember right. that. Yes. So yeah, that game I think is going to be relatively close. And who I mean. No, because I was going to say the Dolphins, maybe they catch the Dolphins. That game could be flexed in into prime time, but that's yeah. in Buffalo in December. So that's the thing. If you survive the first seven games, you could absolutely make the argument that you're going to win, I don't know, all but one or two of those games that you have left on your schedule. You asked me earlier about the record for the first seven games, and I said, look, if it's 4-3, and three, it's almost a disappointment. Mm-hmm. It's 5-2, and two, I think you're sitting fine. The next eight, Matt, if they go 6-2... and two, that would, Anything, be a dis- that would be a disappointment. I it think, might even. be. It yeah. might be, right? I mean, who knows with injuries and stuff, but I think if they go 6-2, and two, you're like, ah, like what's going on here? You're expecting 7-1. and one. Now, look, that's really lofty. Mm-hmm. But still, I, I just think it's a really good opportunity to go 6-2. and two. And, of course, we get down to the final two games at Cincinnati on a Monday night, yeah. January 2nd, and then the New England Patriots. Let me back up one second, though. Christmas Eve in Chicago, mm-hmm. you liking that from a professional or personal standpoint? No. I'm not liking that because I think Chicago's a relatively easy trip for fans to make, and I don't think a lot of them are going to make it now that right. it's on Christmas Agreed. Eve. So I think that takes a little bit from it. I don't like it from a personal standpoint either. That being said, I think I might try and come home Christmas Eve night. I think I might try and get out of the game, yep. get to Midway, get and just fly back as quick as I possibly can. I mean, I also think Chicago is a decent team. I think that's going to be another one of those games where it's just kind of like three quarters of probably close football, and you're like, why haven't the Bills put them away yet? But I get it. I will say, though, I prefer that to Christmas Day. Yes. We know the Bills are not playing on Christmas Day. There are three games for the NFL on Christmas Day. The Bills are not one of them. They are playing, and they are also are not playing on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. The NFL is playing games on New Year's Day yep. this year, folks. Uh, Sunday this year, New Year's Day. And as they traditionally have, in case people don't know, the NFL has traditionally played on New Year's Day when it's on a Sunday. And the college bowl games move to either Saturday or Monday that week. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. Do you remember the last time the Bills played on New Year's Day? Huh. I do. Was it the Jets? It was. It was the Mike Gillisley do not cover the ball in the end zone on a kickoff game. Yes, I remember that. Rex I had that. just been yep. fired. I remember that game. And I think Anthony Lynn was the interim head coach mm-hmm. he was. at the time. That was the last time they played on New Year's Day, actually. Yeah, okay. That was I- Cardale Jones. Wow. EJ Manuel and Cardale Jones both played. Okay. They, they rested, sat, Tyrod, the injury clause, something like that. Didn't want him to get hurt and guarantee the injury. Amazing, right? Yeah. To think about that. It's amazing that that wasn't that long ago. Right. And how far the team has come that we're talking about Cardell yes. Jones and Tyrod Taylor and EJ Manuel and Mike Gillisley and all of this stuff. It is amazing. So the NFL will play most of their games on New Year's Day. But Matt, that set January 2nd game at Cincinnati on Monday Night Football mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. By the way, you never know what you're going to get in Cincinnati that time of year. You could have 50 degree. Uh, day and 40 degree night or you could have sub-zero nights we've seen that as well so who knows what the weather's going to be but the Bills and Bengals uh, the defending AFC champion Bengals late in the season that could have a ton riding on it for seeding it absolutely could I wonder if the Bengals are a little overhyped 
Okay. And I don't know. Like, I still like the Bengals. I love Joe Burrow. I think Jamar Chase is a freak. I really like T. Higgins. Joe Mixon's obviously a good back. They've spent a lot of resources in their offensive line this past season. So I think they're still going to be good. But I don't know if they're a legit Super Bowl contender. I could be completely wrong, but that division is so tough, especially if Deshaun Watson plays or if he plays for most of the year. I mean, Baltimore's going to be healthy. They're going to if the worst team in that division is the Pittsburgh Steelers, like that division, they're going to beat each other up. So Cincinnati, they might not just be playing for playoff seeding; they might be playing for their playoff lives at that point. So I think that game is going to definitely matter for them. And from a Bills standpoint. Week 17 was the year last year that they clinched a playoff spot. That's right. So who knows? Maybe that's the same situation this year, and they've got a win to clinch, and they don't want to have to tempt their fate against Week 18 and waiting until the last week of the year to just know if they're even heading to the playoffs. So that game is going to be big. And, of course, it's smart that ABC and ESPN want that on the national stage because it is probably going to mean something. As Matt alluded to, the Week 15 game against the Miami Dolphins could get moved to Saturday, and if they do, it's either 1, 4.30, or 8.30. There, There's five games that are in – uh, candidates to be moved. The Bills are one of them, and three games will get moved. So we don't know where that, when that game is going to be played yet. Right now, it's scheduled for December 18th, which is a Sunday. All right. Before we wrap up the schedule, let's just talk about the New England Patriots because the Bills do have a a prime time game at New England again the mm-hmm. Thursday after Thanksgiving. They play Thanksgiving Thursday in Detroit, mm-hmm. and seven days later Thursday night in New England, and then they turn around and play New England. You got what you get New England in December and January. You get them on the back quarter of the schedule essentially two times. You get them January 8th at home in Buffalo. So first, your thoughts on the primetime against New England? I mean, it seems like the league just loves them some Patriots Bills nighttime action lately. Yeah, that was one of the things that I took away actually from your conversation with Mike North that maybe the league views the Patriots in primetime a little different than maybe we here in Buffalo do and that they really like showcasing this right. specific rivalry cuz going into the schedule, I thought it was more likely we actually saw the Bills and Dolphins play in primetime than Bills and Patriots. We still might, but and it's we not st- yeah, and we still might. I like it. I like the Thursday night coming off of the Thursday night the week before. I think that makes sense. It is a little weird that this team is playing three Thursday games this year, but it's not like traditional Thursday games. It's the season opener. Right. It's Thanksgiving. So those almost don't really even count in the conversation. I mean, I think the Patriots are going to be a good team. I don't think they're going to be a great team. I think you could argue they're the third best team in the division at this point. Like, they struggle against Miami. Miami made a lot of moves in the offseason, and the Patriots have kind of just been sitting idle. So I think they're always going to be a challenge. I mean, we saw that last year, except for the wild card game. But I don't think they're going to be a contender by any means. By the way, they're also playing on Thanksgiving. They are playing at the at they're night, the night game at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's no extra rest necessarily for the Bills. Nope. Um, it is a night game, and they'll have to fly back to New England if you want to count that. Mm-hmm. But both teams will have the you know seven days as they normally would for regular games, if you will, on Sundays uh, for this one. And then the Week 18 game against New England. It's the turnaround game. Uh, how much will we riding on on this game for the Bills? Just the Bills. Let's leave this Patriots separately. Do you think the Bills are playing for something at this point, whether it's division or seeding? I do. I think they're playing for something. I would imagine at that point they're probably playing for seeding or at least playing for trying to get home field for maybe an extra week. If it's for the number one seed, that makes sense too. I don't think anything will be locked up much prior to that because the AFC is so stacked. I just can't see really any team having anything locked up that far in advance seeding-wise before week 17. So, I mean... I'm expecting the Bills to win the division. They should win the division. 
by then it probably won't matter. Maybe the Patriots are playing for a wild card spot or something, but the Bills realistically should be playing for either the two seed, the three seed, or what fans are hoping for, the one seed. Yeah, and I could be wrong on this, but I do think that if you go back traditionally, like the one seed doesn't get wrapped up that early. Like just mm-hmm. somebody has to win, even though it might be a game where yeah, exactly. the other team has nothing to play for. We just have to show up, and you know we'll be okay. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. It might be it might come down to that for that final seed for to get the one seed or whatever. And who knows? Maybe they're playing for a seed, but not necessarily a home game. So they say we're going to back off our guys. We'll see. I think maybe, just maybe, from the league standpoint. The more interesting team here might be the New England Patriots because that is a team that might not be playing for anything or could very well still be fighting for their playoff lives. Do we know? I'll, I'll look it up here. Are the Jets and Dolphins playing together? Yes, they this, are that, okay. that week because it's all division games. Exactly. So obviously, yes. So I don't want to assume anything, but let's assume here for this instance that Miami is going to beat the Jets. Right. And I wonder if they're battling back and forth and the Patriots like have to win this game. That game's in Miami, by the way. Week so, there, 18. so there you go. Almost like a situation a couple years ago when the Bills were playing the Dolphins and the Dolphins just had yes. to win to get into the playoffs. I wonder if we could see a similar situation this year with the Patriots where the Patriots have to win in, and Buffalo. The bi- in, in Buffalo and the Bills are just like, yeah, Josh is going to play three quarters. <laughs> And do you remember when Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets came here with the same yes. situation and they lost? Uh-huh. And now and because of that, the Jets still have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. Yep. They didn't win that game. They I remember I remember after that game seeing Ryan on the field, like catching up with some of yeah. his Buffalo friends, and he looked like he saw a ghost. Like yeah. I just that that Bills team wasn't very good. And they were, of course, was that Rex? Was that Uh that was Rex Ryan, yes. So yeah. So of course he was obviously very had an inv- a vested interest in that game. So. And then a couple years later, Sam Darnold did see ghosts, apparently. Apparently he did, and yes. He, as he became the quarterback of the Jets. All right, that is the uh, Bills schedule. It's going to be fun. I know the uh, a lot of Bills Mafia is going to be traveling all over the country. Uh, maybe you'll see Matt or even me hitting some golf balls wherever you may be <laughs> at a city near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, Channel 7 Sports Director here at WKBW-TV in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550 with you and Bill Sideline Report of the Bills Radio Network. I was also the MC for the recently played Micah Hyde Charity Softball Game. This is a great event, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, they had it in 2019, didn't have it in 2020 or 2021 because of the pandemic. 
and 11,000 tickets were sold. It was amazing. It, the atmosphere is great. I mean, it's the perfect setting for a family. If you have children who are Bills fans, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, friends who have kids who are Bills fans, whatever it is, that's the place to go because you get to see those guys out of their element. Obviously, it is much more affordable than going to an NFL game. Maybe you have a chance to get some autographs. Maybe you have a chance to get some pictures. So it's a really cool event, and it also does some really great things, not just in the community. And, of course, this year it took on an entirely new meaning of everything that happened a couple you know, a couple days ago. So it's an amazing event, and I'm really glad that they did it, and it seems like it was a big success. Yeah, and they raised a lot of money for Micah's foundation, the Imagine for Youth Foundation, mm-hmm. sports equipment for underprivileged kids. Yep. It was amazing. $200,000 went, went there. And then a lot of the proceeds went to the um, – the families of the tragedy and the victims of the shooting in Buffalo as well. Uh, proceeds from the silent auction, 100% of those, 100% of the 50-50 went there. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody just kind of did whatever they could to help out in the community. And the great response from the fans in the stands, obviously, to see these players come together for a great game and a great cause. And, of course, Josh Allen stealing the show. Exactly. He wins the home run derby second time. We'll call him the two-time champion back-to-back, even though there wasn't the softball game for two straight years or the home run derby. And I could tell Jordan Poyer was not happy oh, that he sure. lost again to Josh. Yeah, Jordan Poyer has a chip on. I remember before the game, somebody asked Micah Hyde if Jordan Poyer is going to have a chip on his shoulder in the home run derby, and he said, oh, of course he is. And then I started thinking, when doesn't Jordan Poyer have a chip (laughs) on his (laughs) shoulder about literally anything? So yeah, and I'm sure Josh is going to probably rub that in Jordan's face for a long time because that's how Josh is. And then he gave you an all-time answer with the trophy in his hand. So let's walk through what happens. He wins the home run derby. And I said, and I took the liberty of saying, Matt, Josh, I think I speak for pretty much every Bills fan when I say this isn't going to be the last piece of hardware you're going to be holding. <laughs> and then he, and then I said, I followed up with, so what does it mean to you to have this trophy? Where does this rank in your accomplishments in football and elsewhere? And his response was, this is just a placeholder until we win in February. Amazing. That video took on a life of its own yes. on social media because, of course, He's playing to the crowd, but he also truly feels that way. Like, he thinks, like, we're going to win the Super Bowl this year, and I love that in that setting he has that confidence, and they know what the goal is for this year. And it also shows that, like, this guy can have fun. He's not, you know, a typical NFL quarterback who's kind of robotic and who just kind of stands up there and is like, you know, we're on to our next game. Like, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to play the crowd and – I think he truly believes that, too. People ask me all the time what Josh is like, and this is the best way I can say it. Um, he's very buttoned up and trained in PR. He knows oh, what yeah. he knows, right? He knows he's the face of the franchise. He knows, and we've seen this with this group that's here under uh, great PR staff led by Derek Boyko. Like, we know that they they understand. And Sean McDermott, of course, it comes mm-hmm. from the top, right, That, that in Brandon Bean. Like, how they're supposed to act when they're around us, when they're around fans. We know that. But he's also not fake, Josh Allen. Yeah. He, he, he knows how to, how to do it. He's also not fake. I think that, that comes through as well. When you talk to Josh, I think he's genuine. And here's how I'll even give an example. At the end of the softball game, he walked, he, he signed pretty much every autograph in his face from home plate all the way down left field. Went into the dugout and up the ramp, and I went in. I said, hey, you know, how, how you feeling, whatever. I said, uh, are you done? He said, no, I'm going back out. 
He was just going in to basically get a drink or something, came back out, went down right field, and did the same thing. Yeah, and I think that that speaks volumes, too, to not just who he is as a player but as a leader. Yeah. And I think that's why he gets the respect that he gets from his teammates, and that's why he's also so beloved in this community because he is the perfect face of a franchise. When the Bills drafted him back in 2017, you know they didn't know what they were he was going to be on the field, but they knew from their interviews and all the research that they did that like this is the guy that we want to be leading this for a long time, and he has certainly lived up lived up to that hype. And he hit a couple of dingers, by the way, in the <laughs> yeah. game itself. Lots of guys actually did go yard. Um, at one time, the offense had four home runs in a row. They're starting to get in their groove. These guys, after they saw the, uh, the the pitches, you know, one time through. There were some guys who did not hit the ball very well. We even had a strikeout. I can't remember off the top. We had one strikeout. <laughs> oh, slow no. pitch softball. Uh, it was it was Isaiah Hodgins. I don't want to say that if it wasn't it. It was a receiver. I don't think it was Marquez. Okay. Stevenson. It was a. I think it was a receiver if I remember right. Okay. We had, but we did have a strikeout in slow pitch softball in that game. I played one year <laughs> of slow pitch softball with my buddies. I don't know five six years ago, and I was not very good either. But I forgot the rule. Something of something along the lines of like if you struck out, you had to bring like a thirty pack of beer to the next wow, game or something. There you go. So there was. Incentive, like you better not. Stri- Even if you just ground out, that's fine. Yes. Do not strike. Do out. Do not strike out. We did have one of those. Um, boy, some fantastic plays. Does it surprise anybody that Saran Neal made like three great plays in the outfield? No, because he's just an unbelievable. <laughs> that's like their and Taiwan Jones, by the way. Of course, that's like their DNA. Saran Neal, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, even Josh Allen. Those guys are good at. Everything, everything right literally it's so frustrating like how, <laughs> it's amazing how come you can be so good at the at football right but then also so good at all of these other things that you happen to do it's amazing it was a great time everybody um you know there i think had a really fun time raise some money but let's just real quickly touch on what josh said and now the expectations mm-hmm. this is a team not shying away from the expectations they're not going to come out and say we're winning a super bowl yeah but i also don't think they're backing off whereas remember when sean mcdermott first came in it's it's, it still is always about the process, but I think even now, even he's giving some space to, look, we know who we are. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, you, they've earned these primetime games. Like, we've been in these situations. They're not shying away from who they are anymore. No, and actually, something that Sean said before the rookie minicamp practice, which we'll also touch on, was he was asked about getting the schedule, and this stood out to me, and he said, Josh knows what those stages mean, and he's the yes. leader of our team. And I picked up on that because he hasn't always kind of used that language. We've known that Josh is the leader of the team, but Sean hasn't always kind of come out flat and said like Josh is the face of our franchise Josh knows what these stages mean that will get funneled down to the rest of the team and if they look to him they'll be in an okay position so I thought that meant something that they do realize that they're on this stage as many times as they are because of the success they've had and they're embracing it and their biggest star seems to thrive in that setting two other things he said he said number one he said our coaches have been there too. Mm-hmm. He said our coaches have been in those situations. And the other thing he said, which transitions us into rookie minicamp, conditioning-wise, where players <laughs> are right now. I will tell you, nobody seemed like they were out of shape in a softball yeah. game. But Matt, you know, you get in rookie minicamp. The Bills just held it. Uh, it was uh, May thirteenth and fourteenth. They held it on a Friday and Saturday. You know, I asked jo- uh, Sean McDermott about conditioning, and he said, "Look, some of these guys just came off the banquet circuit, which 100%. was a which was a funny line, but it's true." They have to have a certain amount of expectations of where they are conditioning, but at the same time, every player is going to be in a, di- a different spot. So we go out there, we watch. It didn't seem like anybody was struggling. No. You wouldn't you wouldn't fault them if they were mm-hmm. in the heat. It was a very, very hot day out there. But we did get a chance to notice a lot of people. You were shooting video out there for Channel 7, obviously. Mm-hmm. Anything you took away specifically from any specific player, drills, teams, anything like that? You know what I specifically took away? 
Kyir Elam is bigger than I thought he would be. Like, seeing him up close, it was like, wow, this guy's got some size to him. He's got, like, a pretty powerful stature, and I think he's a really strong complement to Tredavious White. And it's not like they've always had the biggest cornerbacks. Like, right. Levi Wallace was a tall guy, but he was pretty slender. Yep. Kyir Elam seems like he's pretty built, and mm-hmm. that he's got a frame that you can probably build onto. So he was bigger than I thought. James Cook was smaller than I thought he would be. Now, that does not mean he is going to be a bad NFL player. He could be an amazing NFL player. It's just when I saw him, I was like, wow, he is smaller than I thought he'd be. But he's also faster than I thought he'd be and shifty as heck. That guy was just running past everybody. And he looks like a smaller wide receiver, not a running back. When he's out there, you're like... That guy can run routes. That guy can get separation. So he does seem like he's going to be a weapon for this team. Yeah, I'll start with him. You're talking about shiftiness. Boy, he cuts on a dime and just makes so people miss right right in front of them. Like they're grabbing at air, basically. Now, there's no hitting. There's no pads mm-hmm. on. They have helmets. We, we all understand this. I'm just telling you from a pure, pure football athletic standpoint, when we go out, you've been in enough of these rookie minicamps, so have I. You can just tell people are different. Mm-hmm. Like, that guy's different. He's yes. different. He's just a different guy. 100%. Different than most of the guys you see go out there. That's why, I mean, look, he's the brother of Delvin Cook. We know that. He had a he had a good career in college at Georgia. He was a big recruit in high school. He's going to be able to, I think, handle situations like this and look a little better. But he looked, to me, almost off the charts better mm-hmm. than a lot of the guys we saw. I agree with you about Kyrie Elam. But I think if you're looking at them from like 30, 40 yards away, he reminds me of Tredavious with his length. Tredavious mm-hmm. is a longer guy, yeah. right? He's And I think that... He's he's a little bit more put together up top, but he is he they're also they're both skinny, they're both slender, mm-hmm. and he's got that length. And I that's one thing. I wonder, Matt. Well, you said is right. The perfect compliment to Tre'Davious. Do you think they wanted a guy like Tre'Davious who's long like that to play a little more press? It wasn't Levi's best suit. He wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't strong enough to do something like that. Tre'Davious can do it. They don't ask him to do it a lot. I think they might have targeted and wanted. I think I think there's indications this team's going to play more man to man defense this year. I think that's absolutely true, and I think that. Once you've made the moves you've made in the offseason, you can probably get away with doing that, too. Like, now you have faith that you're going to get home to the quarterback a little bit quicker than maybe you have in years past. So I think we could see more of that, and I think that's why he was probably an intriguing addition for them. I don't think that's the sole reason. I'd assume that they had four or five cornerbacks. Actually, I'm assuming it's four because of the McDuffie trade-up that happened right before them, and then we see they go up and make a move. So my thought is they probably had four cornerbacks who they really liked, and they were like, we're getting one of those guys. So they ultimately got him, and it gives them a little bit of wiggle room if Tredavious isn't ready to go week one. But by all accounts, he seems to be trending in the right direction. If Khalil Shakir, who I think looked just right in place, looked Mm -hmm. like he belonged in the NFL field, didn't do anything flashy, but... Just was there, right? Yeah, just exactly. he, he did everything he's supposed to do. He looked pretty good. If if Khalil Shakir has a really good preseason, do him, Jamison Crowder, and Isaiah McKenzie all make the squad? Yeah, I would say it's probably those three: Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Stevenson. <sighs> See, that's this is where I, uh, Jody Biasi, my colleague at WGR, and I he he brought up the fact that does Jamison Crowder maybe do they move on from him if Khalil Shakir looks really good and save the money? that you sign him to a one-year deal. I think it's possible, but I think they really like Jamison Crowder. Yeah. I mean, he's 28 years old, I think, maybe 29. He's 28 years old. Yeah. Be- Beasley's gone. 100%. If you can get 
similar production, and this is asking a lot, but if you can get similar production from Jamison Crowder that you did from Cole Beasley the right. last couple of years, while he is still a couple of years younger, it is a no-brainer to have that guy on the team. And it also eases Khalil Shakir into the role that they want him to eventually be in, which is the same thing they did with Gabriel Davis. So I don't think they're going to be so quick to move on from a veteran for a rookie because they've had the chance to do that the last two years with Gabe Davis, clearly somebody who can contribute, right. and they haven't. So I think they like kind of that slow trajectory of just continuing to get better. So I can't see them moving on from Jamison Crowder. I think for me it comes down to Marquez Stevenson, Jay Kumaro, Isaiah Hodgins. Like, Isaiah Hodgins has to do something. Hodgins has had his, his opportunities, and he hasn't made it. 100%. So, like, I think he's probably the longest shot to make the team. And then after that, I'd say... Stevenson probably gets the edge just because of the return Agreed. side of things. But they do value – like every time Jay Kumaro ran onto the field, you kind of knew like, okay, this team's going heavy. They're going to try and run. And he's a pretty good blocker. Maybe they give Gabriel Davis more of those snaps because he can handle it. But they have depth there. That's a, It's a good problem to have for the Bills. Let's wrap up our inaugural episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo with Matt Bove, Channel 7, and Sal Capaccio with Punt God, yes. as he's been referred to. Mm-hmm. Matt Ariza. Matt Bove and I <laughs> did not get a chance to see him punt nope. or kick or hold at rookie minicamp. Kind of like the secret guy, right? They brought him inside. Like yeah. they didn't want I don't think that's why, but um, he did go inside. We didn't see him punt. I thought I felt to. a tremble on the ground. <laughs> that might have been him punting in the field house, but we didn't get to see it. I don't know if that got picked up on the Richter scale, and it was just the <laughs> ball coming off of his foot. I was so bummed. You know, you go to rookie minicamp. And never in my life did I say, or what I thought I'd say, I want to see this guy punt. But I was like, I get to see this guy punt today. And then we didn't get to. So How many questions did wait. Sean McDermott have to answer about Matt Ariza punting? After it's a while, a, he's like, guys, you know, he, he's not, <laughs> don't put him in the Hall of Fame yet. He didn't say that, I mean, but basically. Same thing after day three of the draft. You know, right. they draft all these guys. Khalil Shakir, sh- like, slips. Everybody's like, wow, what a great value. And all of the questions to Brandon were about punt God. Okay, so... Are you are you going to be watching him punt or hold more the first day? First day he goes out there. He has he's there saying he's going to punt. Here, here's the question. We're going to end on this. Ready? I'm making Matt. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either watch him hold ten snaps uh-huh. or punt the ball ten times. What are you watching? Oh, punt ten times. Out of, <laughs> I'd like to think that like I'm pretty in tune with details. Yes, that guy could screw up the hold ten times in a row. I probably have <laughs> yeah, no idea. Care, right? So I'd be like, oh, it looked like the laces were out. Yeah. I think he should be okay. I just want to we see got, what he's got in the bag. Gotta see him punt. You gotta see him punt. It's remember when they drafted Tyler Bass and you yes. watch him kick and then you'd watch Hauschka kick and the way it was explained to me was like watching Bass hit a kick is like watching somebody hit a driver. Watching Hauschka is like somebody hitting a smooth iron off of the tee. Nice. They both have their place, but I'm assuming it's going to be this exact same thing with Ariza. And that's it all I'm comes excited. back to golf with Matt Bovey all It all the time. comes back to golf. By the way, Tyler Bass, speaking of hitting a driver, he jacked one out in the softball game. Did he? This was one of our controversies. He was playing for team defense. Yeah. He runs around the bases. Uh-huh. Matt Barkley yells at me, Sal, that should count for the offense. He's a kicker. It should. And I said, and then Mike is like, no, no, that's not. So this was a controversy, but Tyler Bass jacked one out. Was it a numbers thing? Like, did they need him to play on I the defensive know. side of the I, thing? He could have been offense, I think. See, I think the defense had more guys. So he should have been offense. Maybe. He is putting points on the board right. for the team. He should be on offense. Well, see, there's our controversy. Maybe we'll have it and settled. If, and you could almost split it. Was uh, Reed Ferguson there? He was not there. Okay, so he I was would, the only specialist there. I would say if he was there, he should have been on defense. All right. Well, maybe we'll see. The, they did the two honorary captains were both offensive guys, Steve Tasker and Thurman Thomas. They didn't have an honorary defensive guy, 
It was just bo- both offensive guys. Offense sells tickets, baby. That, that's right. But in this in this case, defense won the championship. There you go. Because they did actually win the softball game. Matt, this was fun. Thanks. We're going to do this a lot. Twice a week, basically. Yep. But look for it wherever you pod, everybody. Uh, it's always game day in Buffalo. We're super excited to talk to the fans. So um, I know you can uh, tell everybody where they can catch you, how they can listen to you, and we're going to be promoting all of our stuff cross-platform here. Yeah, Channel 7, basically every single day on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that whole thing. And I am so excited. Like, this is is going to be fun. It's like riding a bike. We're sitting here, we're talking, we're talking about the Bills, and as every episode we do now, we're closer to football season. I'm yeah. not wishing away the summer by any stretch, but I am very much looking forward to Thursday, September 8th against for, the Rams. For Matt Bove, I'm Sal Capaccio. Thanks for listening to the inaugural episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Subscribe to this podcast, Bills fans.